Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family, on this fourth day of Christmas. Merry, merry, merry Christmas. It is the Feast of the Holy Innocents. This is such a glorious week, absolutely glorious, um, and begun with um, the Feast of St. Stephen on Monday, and then St. John the Evangelist on Tuesday, and then the Holy Innocents today, all second-class feasts, and right in the middle of the octave of Christmas, It's just so wonderful. I love it. I love being Catholic. And we have a lovely um, commentary this morning from um, Dom uh, Prosper Garanger, who writes, The Feast of the Beloved Disciple, John, is followed by that of the Holy Innocents, the crib of Jesus, where we have already met and venerated the Prince of Martyrs and the Eagle of Patmos, So the Prince of Martyrs, Stephen, and the Eagle of Patmos is John, has today standing around it a lovely choir of little children clad in snow-white robes and holding green branches in their hands. The divine babe smiles on them. He is their king, and these innocents are smiling upon the church of God. Courage and fidelity first led us to the crib. Innocence now comes and bids us tarry there. Herod intended to include the Son of God among the murdered babes of Bethlehem. The daughters of Rachel wept over their little ones. I tell you, beloved, every time I read the story and see the paintings of that uh, scenario, it, it's it's one of the most awful um, scenarios to imagine and to see even in illustrations the daughters of Rachel wept over their little ones and the land streamed with blood but the tyrant's policy could do no more it cannot reach Jesus and its whole plot ends in recruiting an immense army of martyrs for heaven these children were not capable of knowing what an honor it was for them to be made victims for the sake of the Savior of the world. But the very first instant after their immolation and all was revealed to them, they had gone through this world without knowing it. And now that they know it, they possess an infinitely better one. God showed here the riches of his mercy. He asks of them but a momentary suffering, and that over they wake up in Abraham's bosom. No further trial awaits them. They are in spotless innocence, and the glory due to a soldier who died to save the life of his prince belongs eternally to them. They died for Jesus' sake. Therefore their death was a real martyrdom. And the church calls them by the beautiful name of the flowers of the martyrs because of their tender age and their innocence. Justly then does the ecclesiastical cycle bring them before us today, immediately after the two valiant champions of Christ, Stephen and John. The connection of these three feasts 
is thus admirably explained by St. Bernard. Quote from St. Bernard, In St. Stephen we have both the act and the desire of martyrdom. In St. John we have but the desire. In the holy innocence we have but the act. Will anyone doubt whether a crown was given to these innocents? If you ask me, what merit could they have that God should crown them? Let me ask you, what was the fault for which Herod slew them? What, is the mercy of Jesus less than the cruelty of Herod? And whilst Herod could put these babes to death, who had done him no injury, Jesus may not crown them for dying for him? He goes on, Stephen, therefore, is a martyr, but a martyrdom of which men can judge, for he gave his evident proof. This evident proof of his sufferings being felt and accepted, that at the very moment of his death, his solicitude both for his own soul and for those of his persecutors increased. The pangs of his bodily passion were less, less intense than the affection of his soul's compassion, which made him weep more for their sins than for his own wounds. John was a martyr, but a martyrdom which only angels could see, for the proofs of his sacrifice being spiritual, only spiritual creatures could ken them. But the innocents were martyrs to none other, I save thine, O God." Man could find no merit. Angel could find no merit. The extraordinary prerogative of thy grace is the more boldly brought out. From the mouth of the infants and the sucklings thou hast perfected praise. Quote from Psalm 8. The praise the angels give thee is glory be to God in the highest and peace on earth to men of good will. It is a magnificent praise. But I make bold to say that it is not perfect till he cometh who will say, Suffer little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And in the mystery of thy mercy, of my mercy, there shall be peace to men that cannot use their will. End quote from St. Bernard in his sermon for the Feast of the Holy Innocents. Dom Garanger goes on, yes, God did for these innocents who were emulated, emulated, killed, sacrificed on his son's account what he is doing every moment now by the sacrament of regeneration in the case of children who die before coming to the use of reason. We who have been baptized by water should be all the more ready to honor these little ones who were baptized in their own blood and thereby associated to all the mysteries of the divine infancy. We ought together with the church to congratulate them for that a glorious and premature death secured them their innocence. They have lived upon earth and yet it defiled them not. Truly these tender lambs deserve to be forever with the Lamb of God. May this same earth of ours, grown old in wickedness, draw down the divine mercy on itself by the love and honor it gives each year to these sweet children of Bethlehem, who, like the dove of Noah's ark, could not find whereon to rest their feet. In the midst of the joy which at this holy time fills both heaven and earth, 
the Holy Church of Rome forgets not the lamentations of the mothers who beheld their children cruelly butchered by Herod's soldiers. She hears the wailing of Rachel and condoles with her. And unless it be a Sunday, she suspends on this feast some of the manifestations of the joy which inundates her soul during the octave of her Jesus' birth. The red vestments of a martyr's day would be too expressive of that stream of infant blood which forbids the mothers to be comforted, and joyous white would ill suit their poignant grief. She therefore vests in purple, the symbol of mournfulness, unless it be a Sunday, in which case the color used is red. The Gloria in Excelsis, the hymn she loves so passionately during these days, when angels come down from heaven to sing it, even that must be hushed today. And in the holy sacrifice, she sings no alleluia. In this, as in everything she does, the church acts with an exquisite delicacy of feeling. Her liturgy is a school of refined Christian considerateness. This expression of sympathy gives today's office a pathetic sadness, which, however, in no ways interferes with joy, which the church feels in celebrating the feast of the holy innocents. She keeps it with an octave, as she does the two preceding feasts of St. Stephen and St. John. She sanctions the practice observed in cathedral and collegiate churches of allowing young boys to share in the duties of the choir and blend their innocent chanting with that of the ministers of God. She grants them several privileges and takes pleasure in seeing the delight wherewith these children perform the several functions entrusted to them. This joy, this simplicity, this innocence all add a charm to the divine service, and through these youthful choristers, the church pays honor to the infant Jesus and to the holy innocence of Bethlehem. In Rome, the station for the feast of St. Stephen is in the church dedicated to the holy protomartyr on Monte Celio. That for St. John is in the Basilica of St. Mary Major. Today, the station is made at St. Paul's Beyond the Walls, which possessed several of the bodies of the Holy Innocents. In the 16th century, Pope Zestus, I'm not, uh, Extus perhaps, X-Y-S-T-U-S, I'm not familiar with him, the fifth caused a portion of these relics to be translated um, to St. Mary Majors and put near the holy relic of our Lord's crib. So beautiful. This wonderful, holy man of God, Dom Prosper Garanger, who restored Gregorian chant to France and rebuilt St. Peter's um, in Salem and uh, spread uh, the Benedictine order throughout France and Europe and in the United States and wrote 15 volumes of the liturgical year. What a magnificent man of God. I'm not sure if he's blessed yet, but his cause is up for canonization. Extremely, extremely beautiful, beloved. When we come back, we'll take your calls early today, your calls, your emails, your texts, with anything whatsoever on your heart. 
feel free to call in 1-877-511-5483. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current, Father Robert McTagg discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Do you love listening to the Station of the Cross on your car radio, but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area? Never miss another minute of your favorite show. Download the iCatholic Radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day. The iCatholic Radio app is available for your phone in the Apple Store or for your Android phone in Google Play. Visit thestationofthecross.com for more information. If the cares and anxieties of life are weighing you down, Come to the St. Thomas More House of Prayer and allow the Lord to refresh your soul. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is a Catholic retreat center devoted to praying and promoting the liturgy of the hours. You'll find a tranquil atmosphere that's ideal for deep prayer, whether as an individual or for a group retreat. We're located at 365 Hill City Road in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. Make your reservation today or learn more at liturgyofthehours.org. You can also call us at 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. We would love to help you experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change your life. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am she, and we are live, and we're thrilled to be with you this fourth day of Christmas on the Feast of the Holy Innocents. And we've just finished a beautiful um, reflection by Dom Garanger of the 1800s on this wonderful, wonderful feast. And we're going to take your calls for the next 45 minutes, so we won't wait till the half hour. We'll take them now. Anything that's on your heart, call or text or email one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email. You can text at that number yet, um, or email at mother at thestationofthecross dot com. We have Santino on the line from Ohio. Hi, Santino. Hello. Um, how are you, Mother? I'm wonderful, Santino. Thank you so much, dear. Thanks for your call. Yes, it's good to hear. So, anyways, I uh, have a question, and mine is. Um, is the Catholic Church correct in putting that um, into canon law that people um, above 18 or above are not allowed to be left alone with people below okay, the age? Okay, now hold of on, because you, we have a, a rough connection here. Uh, I'll ask James to reconnect you. Hold on, don't go. 
having a hard time hearing your words. Go ahead and continue now. Is the Catholic Church correct in doing what? In putting into canon law that people um, above the age of 18 are not allowed to be uh, left alone with people below the age of 18. This would also mean that they can't make calls to people below the age of 18 um, with, uh, without the approval of parents. They can't send emails to people um, without parents copied in the email. Um, the reason I ask this is because I had to have a Catholic priest call me um, to let me know that that um, hold on hold on a moment hold on we have technical problems I'm pretty much getting what you're saying James could you try reconnecting us um, okay Santino let's try it again go ahead so you're, what you're saying is uh, it would be right to put into canon law that people above 18 could not be alone with people below 18. Is that basically it? Uh, yes. And you heard what I said about the um, about the uh, phone and the email stuff, right? No. Go repeat that. Go ahead. Okay. The, that that law would also apply to um, people above the age of 18 or 18 sending emails to um, to people below with the mm -hmm. uh, with, with parents copied in the email and that would also mean that people 18 or above are not allowed to call minors without the approval of parents was the catholic church right to do this you're saying was the catholic church right to do this have they done it yes they have i've spoken to a norvis ordo priest um and what he told me was that, uh, that uh, and I'm guessing this probably had something to do with the whole sex abuse crisis, that, um, that he could not call me um, be without the approval of my parents because um, that, that canon law said that he couldn't do that. And my parents also had to be copied in the email for me to send an email to him. What's really sad was, my um, uncle Danny, who died, was one of his parishioners, and I was sending him a gift through mail, and I wanted for him to um, to uh, to call me so that way I knew I knew the gift arrived, and I and and, and um, that's what he told me. He also told me my parents had to be copied in the email that he was very limited to how much contact he could have with me because I'm below the age of eighteen. I have no idea about that, Santino. As far as I know, there's absolutely no such thing in canon law. That may be the decision of that priest. Uh, that even may be directive from his bishop. But it's, it has nothing to do with canon law, to my knowledge. Absolutely not. If he tells you it's canon law, ask him to show you where it is. I think that's just his personal uh, modus operandi. There's no such thing. Well, the reason I ask is because he was, you know, he was talking to me. He 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 said it wasn't his um, his. Uh, he didn't make the rule. I I was just curious about that. If the Council of Trent Canon Law also says that too, I don't think anyone says that. I've never heard of it. I think okay. it's insane. Why well, shouldn't Why shouldn't priests be uh, allowed to talk with anyone, no matter the age? Who Who would limit that? We may limit it today in in various ways because of the abuse situation. Um, that's tragic, 
but um, I don't have any inkling that it was ever limited or that it's anywhere in canon law. Ask your priest to show it to you. Okay. And I also do have another question. This is unrelated to this. You probably already answered it, but maybe James from uh, from Frontline TV didn't post the clip because I don't really have time to listen to your uh, to to the radio show. But um, the the um, the I, I'm I think maybe Pope John Paul II did this also. But um, today. If a um, if a person from another religion were to convert to Roman Catholicism with his wife and kids and wanted to become a Catholic priest, um, he could do so without divorcing his wife. Okay, hold on. If he were, I have to repeat it because something's wrong with the sound in our connection. Uh, to me, you sound like you're underwater. I know you're not, and the, uh, the technicality is on our end. If, if, if um, a man and his wife and children, a family converted from another religion to the Catholic Church, and the man became a priest? Yes, he wouldn't have to divorce his wife. I just think that's wrong. Uh, do you He, w- have he would have life? to divorce his wife? He wouldn't have to divorce his wife. Um, I, I think Pope Francis or somebody made that into to a rule, like change to that. Um, but if if this were to, but if this person was born into Catholicism, he uh, he couldn't um, become a priest uh, while married. Now, hold on. The Catholic Church would never ask anyone to divorce his wife. That's out of the question. If a man, a family from another religion converts to the church and the husband of the wife with children is allowed to become a priest as has happened with Anglicans who were already priests in the Anglican church and they came into the Catholic church and after a time, not immediately, the man was allowed to become a Catholic priest. He's still married to his wife. He still has his children. Uh, That's happened in one or two cases of Lutherans, but they were already priests in their previous faith. But there is absolutely no divorce. Absolutely they are not asked to divorce. It's never happened. Uh, is that okay for someone to to become a for a man to become a priest while married? Well, yes, because the church has allowed it. The church has allowed it in the case again of Anglican priests. I know, and and on occasion of a Lutheran priest, the church has. I know a number of Anglican priests with families married with children who have come into the Catholic Church, and they, in time, have been allowed to become priests. Now, they don't divorce. That, that's, that's out of the question. But um, whether or not in their marriage in the church they remain um, celibate, in other words, they live, they, if, when a man becomes priest, he and his wife live as brother and sister, I don't know that. I know that when a man becomes, as far as I understand, a deacon in the church, he must remain in his current state. So if he's not married, he must remain unmarried. But many are married. So I don't know if once you become a deacon or more so a priest and you're already married, if you need to live as brother and sister. I'd have to look that up. I do not know that. But there is no way the church would would ask for anyone to be divorced, because what God has put together, man cannot put asunder. 
And if they're both baptized and their marriage is a sacrament, um, they, it, there's no divorce whatsoever. But the state in which they live, that I've never looked up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that pretty much answers my question. Um, thanks again for answering my question. And Merry, Merry Christmas and God bless. Merry Christmas, Santino. God bless you. Um, we have an email from Letitia who says, Hello, Mother. I hope you're feeling better. I am, Letitia. Thanks so much. <clears throat> she says, I'm in my last few weeks of RCIA and am spending every other Sunday at a traditional Mass and the other Sundays at our local Novus Ordo Parish. My question regards genuflecting and when to do so. I bless myself with holy water upon entering the church and genuflect toward the tabernacle before entering the pew. So far, so good. And before leaving the pew, yes. But I notice most people at our Novus Ordo Mass only genuflect the first time they enter the pew and not when they leave and come back. It's because reverence has been lost, Letitia, and because they're not properly taught. It becomes a social hall at the end of Mass. It's, it's tragic. She says, because I have two young children, I normally have to get up once or twice to take them out. I want to know that I'm being respectful to our Lord in the tabernacle and being as reverent as I can. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day and a blessed Advent. Yes, Letitia, you always, upon entering the pew and leaving it, even if you're going out with your children because they're noisy, you genuflect. And if you're holding a child and it's too hard to genuflect, at least make a reverent bow. Only to our Lord in the tabernacle. If the tabernacle is not in front, if it's in a side room someplace, you bow, a reverent bow, 90 degrees um, to the altar, but you genuflect to our Lord always, no matter what anybody does. We have an email from somebody who writes it anonymously and says, Hello, Mother. I came across your show a few weeks ago. I've been in a struggle for most of my life and now in my mid-30s. I have known I was a homosexual since I was younger. I kept that burden for many years and told only a few close people in my family when I was 28. I found myself watching many forms of pornography in my teens and up to today. I also started drinking a lot since I was 17, and it has caused many issues, including my gambling over $100,000. I find myself depressed and lonely. I decided to seek out a relationship and spend five years with a person, which ended up hurting me more financially as well as endangering my well-being. This person ended up doing drugs and resulted in assaulting me and having to call the police. I ended the relationship for a while, but when I began to feel depressed and more stressed, the, the sentence ends that way, he, but I'm, I'm guessing he meant to say, I continued the relationship. <clears throat> Beloved, there's um, the music for our second break. We have an entire half hour when we come back, so um, I'm going to continue uh, with this email when I come back. It's a very serious one. Um, and I, I want to respond. So um, call in uh, during the break or whenever you wish, dearest, with anything on your hearts, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. And we'll be right back. 
I'd have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. It's a much more warm and open place, and God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December 28th. Today we celebrate the Holy Innocents. Because he was unpopular with his people, Judea's King Herod the Great was insecure and fearful of any threat to his throne. A tyrant and master politician, the king was capable of extreme brutality. Matthew's Gospel recalls that Herod was greatly troubled when astrologers from the east came asking the whereabouts of the newborn king of the Jews, whose star they had seen. They were told that the Jewish scriptures named Bethlehem as the place where the Messiah would be born. Cunning and clever, Herod told them to report back to him so that he also could pay homage to the child. The wise men found Jesus and offered him their gifts, but an angel warned them to avoid Herod on their way home. Meanwhile, also warned by a dream, the Holy Family escaped to Egypt. Infuriated, Herod ordered the massacre of all boys two years old and under in Bethlehem and its vicinity. Since Bethlehem was a small town, the number of babies killed was likely between 20 and 26. The church honors these infants as holy martyrs who died for Christ by dying in his place. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved um, we have an entire half hour all to ourselves. Our phone lines are wide open. Feel free to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. You can call in anonymously if you wish. Not an issue. Um, as I always say, the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. And uh, the toll-free number is one 511 5483 You may text at that number as well. <clears throat> you can leave messages on Facebook also. And my dear partner James will collect them and, and post them for me. And um, you can email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We are right in the middle of an email from a gentleman who writes in anonymously, and already said, we read that he has known that he was homosexual most of his life. He's now in the mid-30s. He led a few close people to him know when he was 28. He started drinking when he was 17. He was in a relationship for five years um, with a person who ended up doing drugs and assaulted him. And um, But he still gets depressed and feels lonely and stressed, and he tends to go back. Um, he continues, I do have a job and run a business. 
which has also struggled with my entire situation. I also keep the burden of people finding out about me and how they would judge and that I would also lose my business. My parents were divorced when I was young and I am an only child. I attended a Catholic school for my elementary years but then went to public school. I've received all the sacraments, but I would not say I was brought up in the faith. Parents, take that as a word of counsel, because your children have had all the sacraments does not mean that they know the Catholic faith or that they are Catholic themselves in understanding or belief or faith. He writes, it was not until my deep depression and emptiness that I was led to really learn what the church teaches through online sources, including you, and to seek out answers about how I feel and why I have the cross, this cross. I know God has protected me in all of this and do see many graces he has given me, although I am unworthy. Dear one, so am I unworthy. We all are. I have I've been struggling for the past year, finding myself in confession every week or every other week. I feel good after I go and I think I'm on track, but in about a week or two I'm back into mortal sin, pornography, drunkenness, etc. I most recently had to move because of a change in the direction of my business. I decided to join a parish run by Dominican friars. I'm trying to turn my life around and get past this, but I continue to fall. I try to pray the rosary and chaplet when I can and attend Mass. I most recently signed up for an adoration hour at my church. I feel good for a while, but then I give in to these temptations like something just comes over me and my mind, and then I feel even worse. It's like I feel crazy sometimes because I keep repeating it. I understand this. Is there any advice you have to break these addictions? I listen to you on the app uh, and hope to hear you read my email when it is posted. Thanks, and God bless you. My dear one, um, for you to continue in your lifestyle with all your good efforts will make it impossible for you. A drug addict cannot have drugs around, can't take them uh can't be um, drug-free for two weeks and then take drugs again and then expect to get out of the habit. You are an addict. You, um, you have not resisted these um, physical temptations. And I want to say the fact that you have homosexual desires uh, does not mean, number one, God did not make you that way. Um, circumstances have led you to that, I understand. But I'm not homosexual. I'm heterosexual. And I talk personally for myself. I have normal desires. I have normal desires, but I'm a nun and I cannot live them out. And a married woman uh, can live those desires, be intimate with her husband. But married men and married women can have desires for other men and women. But they cannot live them out. It's a matter of controlling many single people, not homosexual, that have lots of desires and want to meet a mate, but they have to have their passions under control. Uh, even if they never marry, they will never be intimate with another human being the rest of their life. And God's grace is sufficient and will always be sufficient. And they don't put themselves 
seeing romantic movies and watching things that are going to make them suffer. Same thing with you, dear one. You need to completely stay away, 100%. No matter what you do, Apostle Paul to the Corinthians says that he beats his body. He beats it into subjection. And the, and the words, beating his body, has the image in it of a boxer boxing. You know, you box a ball back and forth. Uh, that's what it is. I beat my body into subjection lest I be disqualified. We need to do violence to ourselves rather than fall into such serious sin. If you have joined a parish with Dominican priests, I would say pick one of those priests a holy priest, and go to him and say, Father, I desperately need your help. Here is my situation. I try, I try, but I have no strength to stay away from temptation for more than a day or two hours or or a week. I, I just have never been able to do it. So humble yourself, go to him, make a good confession, and say, would you be my director, my spiritual director? Would you assist me? And and also try to get to a program like Courage. Uh, 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 it's been very successful, Courage, uh, to help people with homosexual lifestyles or tendencies. Very, very successful. So look for that online, dear one. Go to one of those good Dominican priests and ask them to help you. Um, because if, you know, it, depression is never from God. You might have a chemical balance and need a little medication to help you. That's no problem. When we have a virus, we need an antibiotic. That's not a problem. Sometimes we need that for our brains, our minds. That's no problem whatsoever. So there might be a medication that could help you uh, from depression. Um, but um, uh, discouragement is never from God. Depression and discouragement is never from God. So when you feel that way, know it's the devil. Know it's the devil. Just say, get out of here. Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not giving in. I'm not giving in. If I have to die a martyr, I am not giving in. I will beat my body into subjection, just like the Apostle Paul says, lest I be disqualified from this race, the race to heaven. So um, don't wait. Um, you're not going to tell a priest anything he hasn't heard before or dealt with before. But humble yourself, dear one. It's a matter of life and death. And for you, eternal life and eternal death. You must do this. Don't wait till the weekend. Go today. Knock on that priest's door and say, I need your help very, very much. Um, We have a call from Elmira, New York. Um, Rose, are you there? Yes, I am, Mother. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Good morning and Merry Christmas, Rose. God bless you. (laughs) Thank you, Mother. I just have a quick question. I always wondered when Jesus was on the cross and he said, My God, my God, why did the people around him think he was calling out to Elijah? Because I know it comes from a psalm, but Elijah didn't write the psalm. (laughs) You know, um... This is a good question that I've never uh, really, I should have asked that myself, but I never have. Um, He did call out, my God. Um, I'm trying to, um, lame, lame, Alec. I'm trying to think 
it might have been the words he used. He spoke Aramaic on the cross. And L-E-L is the word for God. And it begins the name of Elijah. Um, I don't know the translation of Elijah. Um, but El- uh, El- Elijah, it, it could have sounded a little bit like Elijah. Um, but they didn't believe Jesus was God, so he they're not going to believe he's calling out to his father. But it would have been perhaps uh, customary to call for Elijah, who would precede the Messiah. So I can't do any better than that. But it could be that the, uh, the Aramaic uh, sounded a little like Elijah. Uh, Eli, Eli, uh, Lamak. Sabachthani, I know I'm mispronouncing that terribly, but Eli, Eli, Eli um, could have sounded like E-L-I-J-A-H, could have sounded like Elijah. Okay. Well, thank you. It's probably why I've never heard it mentioned before at church, because maybe, because it isn't very clear, you know? No, no, and I guess, uh, you know, he could have sounded like that, um, uh, he, he, my God, my God! Well, he he actually spoke the words of Psalm 22 uh, when David wrote, "My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me?" That was a prophecy, and that's what Jesus quoted. But Eli, Eli, it could have sounded like he was calling Elijah. It could have sounded like that. I, I don't know. I don't know more than that. It's a good thing somebody listening can look that up. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mother. I really appreciate the help. Okay, Rose, God bless you, sweetheart. We have an email from Diane um, who says, um, Mother, I wanted to give thanks to our Lord and you and your listeners for the outpouring of prayers. My dear friend called me a week after I called into your show. We start going back to RCAA tomorrow. Blessed be God, Diane. This is wonderful. See what prayers do help, and God enters in to the prayers of his people. We start going back to RCIA tomorrow. I pray for all those souls who have no one to pray for them. God bless you, Diane. We bless God with you. She says, thank you. May God bless you all, Diane. So I thank all of you with Diane who prayed for Diane and her friend. We have an email from Jim who writes, Hello, Mother. My wife is a non-practicing Catholic. I am struggling to live the faith as it pertains to parenting my children with her. One example, my wife has read them books that I do not approve of. For example, she read a Halloween book to them that is about a song similar to the 12 Days of Christmas. If you are familiar with that song, I am. In the book... It says on the 12th day, 12 devils dancing, 11 pumpkins rolling, etc., to the tune of the 12 days of Christmas. Oh, that's a shame. While my wife is not actively doing occult things, well, she's close to it. She's calling on the devil. While my wife is not actively doing occult things, she thinks this type of thing is harmless to the children. It is not. I wish he would yield to my judgment on this. In situations like this, I don't know what to do. I feel scared to throw the book out, as she does not want me to do this, and will like me see, it will like me see me doing so as being controlling, which she certainly will. 
But I also feel that like I'm letting the devil into my household if I don't throw it out. This is just one example. Also, a possible scenario I could envision as our children get older is getting pushback occasionally on taking the children to Mass. She is not opposed to them going to Mass in general. However, I do not think she believes there's a problem with them missing Mass if she thinks something else is more important to do that day. How do I respond if I want to take the children to Mass? And she insists I do not, because in her mind, it is convenient for us, inconvenient for us, to go that day. Oh, Jim, this is an awful situation. I'll finish your email, and we'll do the best we can to respond when we come back from this break. It'll be our last break, beloved, so next time when we come back, we'll have about 10 minutes, and you're welcome to call in yet with anything on your heart and mind, toll-free 1-877-511-5483. Email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back with Jim's email. Don't go away. Sacred Heart that St. Gertrude the Great wrote. I salute thee, O Sacred Heart of Jesus, living and vivifying source of eternal life, infinite treasure of the divinity, ardent furnace of divine love. Thou art the place of my repose and my refuge. Enkindle in my heart the fire of that ardent love with which thine own is inflamed. Pour into my heart the great graces of which thine is the source, and grant that my heart may be so closely united to thine, that thy will may be mine, and that my will may be eternally conformed to thine, since I desire that henceforth thy holy will may be the rule of all my desires and all my actions. Amen. This is Zach Krajasek, General Manager of the Station of the Cross. Thank you for being a part of our family this past year. If you've enjoyed listening to our programming, please help us with an end-of-year gift so that we can make your listening experience even better in 2023. Your generosity will enable us to create original programming that boldly proclaims the truth without compromise. It will also help us expand our online presence and increase our community engagement. Plus, the Station of the Cross is a charitable organization, so you may be able to get a tax deduction as well. But hurry, 2022 is winding down quickly. Make your charitable contribution to the Station of the Cross today. Call 1-877-711-8500, visit thestationofthecross.com, or use the donation page of your iCatholic Radio app. For your generosity, we'll receive a CD entitled O Emmanuel that will provide inspiration this Christmas season and in years to come. Thank you, and may you and your family have a blessed Christmas season and New Year. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam. 
Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We'll have about 10 minutes. And again, our lines are wide open. and You're welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483. You may text at that number yet um, and uh, email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. We're in the middle of an email from Jim. It's a very difficult email. Uh, Jim is Catholic. And he's struggling to live the faith and parent his children uh, uh, in the Catholic faith. His wife, he says, is a non-practicing Catholic, and she doesn't have the sensitivity for what is Catholic. Uh, she's reading children to her children, not only non-Catholic uh, books, but books that could, eat, are, could be harmful and are harmful to their Catholic understanding. Um, he doesn't know whether to throw the book out or what to do. Um, and she, he's concerned that they must be very little children because he said as the children get older, um, he's concerned about her not wanting to even take them to Mass at times if there are other things come up that she considers more important. Jim says, given, given my situation, I'm wondering what advice you may have for me. I'm finding it extremely difficult to raise our children the way I want to. Given my wife's beliefs, I don't think she wants to give in to my decisions on some of these matters, Jim. Apparently she does not, Jim. Uh, that's a marriage that should not have taken place. I don't know what happened. I don't know if you were where your wife was when you got married. But if you were married in the Catholic Church, if your marriage is sacramental and you were married in the Church, then both of you agreed to raise your children Catholic. And so you have every right to say in a very loving manner, sweetheart, um, we vowed before God. We didn't just agree as two individuals. We vowed before God to raise our children Catholic. And if we're reading them non-Catholic things, we're going against the faith and against God. And um, it, we, to, to raise our children Catholic, and I'm guessing you've baptized them, and if they're baptized, uh, you need to help your wife understand that they may not miss Mass. It will be a very grave sin for those children to miss Mass if they are Catholic. Um, when we vowed to raise our children Catholic, dear, dear one, um, my dear wife, um, we vowed to obey God in the church he established. And I know that you're not deep in the faith, you don't believe it all, I, I understand that, but we made those vows before God. And they may not mean that much to you, but a vow to God broken is extremely serious and puts me in a very, very difficult position, and you're putting me and the children in that position. So I beg you, where it becomes matters of the Catholic faith, I don't ask you to do whatever you cannot do, but I ask you to allow me to be the judge of what is Catholic and not, so that our children, we keep our vow before God and raise our children Catholic. Um, Jim, if your wife will not go along with that, you need to explain to her how serious this is and that she will be causing her children to turn from God and to grow up in sin. Um, I wouldn't throw the book out. I would be as loving a husband and a father as you can possibly be. Uh, do go overboard to love your wife, to lay down your life for her, uh, to be a hero, not mushy, not soft, not weak, 
but strong and let her know that you love her. Um, if, uh, if she never becomes a strong Catholic, you love her. Um, uh, do what you can. Love is alone converts hearts. Love her and ask God to help you to know where the battles lie. And so if she reads that book to your children, speak to her very lovingly apart from the children. Don't let them hear you. Even if they're two years old, they should never hear you talking to your wife or correcting one another. Um, speak to her privately and say, sweetheart, I, I know you wouldn't do anything that you think is harmful for our children. I know that. But in the Catholic world, it is harmful. Uh, it is harmful. It's not what Halloween is about. We don't want to bring dancing devils into our lives or children, children's lives. It is harmful, sweetheart. And, and I ask you if you would uh, you just throw that book out. And if she says, no, no, I, I want it, I, I would do what I can to keep the peace. Um, and be as loving as you can. And don't put your foot down on every little thing. Let your love... Let your life of love, um, your witness, let that, let God use that to change their hearts. Um, you may not raise your children the way you want to, but uh, your number one responsibility is not raising your children, it is loving your wife. And if God will convert her heart through your love, Together, you will raise your children. Archbishop Chapu said the greatest gift a father can give his children is to love their mother because children learn what they see. If they see division, if they see strife, if they see disagreement, they're never going to believe you or their mother. Um, they need to believe what they see. So make your wife your project to love and let God convert her heart. Uh, we have an email from Sister Mary of Joseph, and she says, Dear Mother Miriam, I intended to listen to your episode um, from December 6th, but when I heard you say initially that Our Lady was conceived without original sin, that's true, then in the next sentence you said she was cleansed from original no, she wasn't cleansed. She never had original sin. She didn't have to be. She was preserved free of original sin. My dear sister Mary Joseph, if I said cleansed, I was in error, and I said it uh, without thinking. Uh, she wasn't cleansed because she never had original sin. Let me read the rest of this email. So uh, you say, when I heard you say initially that Our Lady was conceived without original sin, then in the next sentence you said that she was cleansed from original sin, I had to stop listening. In fact, the secret prayer for today's Vigil Mass describes Blessed Mary of a Virgin, the Immaculate Mother of God, whom thou didst preserve from all stains of original sin, that she might become a worthy dwelling place for thy son. That's 100% right. If I said cleansed, I was wrong. I, I, the word came out, and I was thinking about it. Uh, obviously, I don't know that I said it. I trust that I said it. You heard it. But it's wrong. She was not cleansed. She was preserved from original sin at the very moment of her conception in her mother's womb. And Sister Mary of Joseph goes on to say, Jesus could not be a propitiatory for sin 
that's a propitiatory satisfactory offering for sin through his bodily crucifixion if his body through his mother from whose womb his body came was herself tainted in any way with sin absolutely correct I'm sorry to say that your initial explanation did not do anything to clarify, but only served to muddy the waters. It would seem appropriate that you publicly correct yourself and restore both God and the Blessed Virgin Mary in the integrity of the Immaculate Conception and what it truly was. This is a very crucial point because sin cannot redeem sin. Sister Mary of Joseph, you are 100% right. I can't go back to hear what I say. Uh, I trust that I said the word cleansed rather than preserved free of original sin. Maybe I said both and they don't both go together. So I issue a public correction and a public apology if I said that our Blessed Mother was cleansed from original sin. She never had the stain of original sin. She was preserved free from it at the moment of her conception in St. Anne's womb. And our Lord uh, took flesh from the Virgin Mary absolutely pure. Sister Mary of Joseph says we keep you in our prayers. Thank you, dear sister, for writing this. And if anyone heard that that podcast, forget cleanse. Our sin never touched our blessed mother. Um, God bless you all. God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow.